enjoy Christian fellowship together. We're going to turn together here in this space, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. We are going to be digging into God's Word uh, and uh, spending some time reflecting on uh, how some threads are connected. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles with you, the words will be on the screen as we together hear the Word of the Lord. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is God's word for us offered in its reading and its hearing. Together we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Uh, Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord, in stillness we come before you. In silence, we consider your thoughts and your word spoken over us. So now we ask, O God, that as we meet and reflect on your word, that you would meet with us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would come to know you more and more. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When the staff was gathering uh, at the end of last year to look forward to this year uh, and and consider how God was calling us to move uh, through this year, we we were focused on uh, Scripture. And this was one of the Scriptures uh, that that we met around. And what was fascinating was we spent the better part of an hour just on these two verses as a staff. And, and we came to realize that there's so much meat here that we needed to offer some significant time uh, devoted to this passage in worship. So I'm here to tell you that you're going to hear the same exact scripture next Sunday. Today we're going to primarily focus on verse 12. And the next Sunday, we're going to focus on verse 13. So if you feel like, like Jason, you didn't like wrap it up and complete it through. You only read two verses. How can you not like do both? Well, we're not going to do both. We're just going to be sitting with verse 12 today. And, the, and verse 12 opens with, therefore, dear friends. Now, if, 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 if you're just coming to this text and you start reading with a therefore, what is the most obvious thing that is necessary to do? You need to read what preceded it. You can't read a therefore and not wonder what came before. And so uh, we're going to do that together. We're going to see how Paul is building this out. Now, now Paul is uh, a, a, uh, a wonderful uh, thought leader, not just in the Christian church, but just generally in that culture in uh, first century Ju- uh, uh, Judaism. He grew up in a community that was known as the philosophical hub for that entire region of the Roman Empire. And so he was surrounded by philosophy and philosophers and and trained in that way of thinking, in addition to his train in uh, in, in rabbinic teaching, so that he was able to construct 
complex arguments step by step. Go read Romans uh, start to finish, and, and you'll get a drift of it. But, but here in Philippians, we have this move uh, that he is making, and we read, therefore, in verse 12, and so we work our way backwards. You ready? So we, we go back to the, 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 the line break, the paragraph break before, and it says in verse 9, let's read together, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place, that is Jesus, and gave Jesus the name that is above every name. Now, what do we, what do we notice about this verse 9? It starts with therefore. And so we read a verse 12, therefore, a verse 9, therefore. We got to keep driving backwards here together. And as we drive backwards, we're going to uh, come to uh, chapter 2, verse 1. So let's go to chapter 2, verse 1 together. Therefore, Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Now, it's growing a little bit obvious and somewhat redundant, so the game is over. For me as the pastor, yes, yes, this verse also opens with therefore, 2.12, 2-1, and we're going even further back into this letter. And so we turn to chapter 1, verse 27. Are you ready? It's not that predictable. <laughs> Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, did you you hear the connecting thread between the two passages? Oh, oh yes, there's there's some some ways of of practice and and operation for us as Christians. We'll get to that later. But but there is something even more explicit than that for us to, to have our ears attuned to, to know that we've arrived at the right connecting thread. You see, in 127, it says, whether I'm with you when I come see you or if I hear about it in my absence. And then in verse 12 of chapter 2, do you remember what, I, what it said? Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Paul restates this almost word for word. So whenever we make the connections between 127 and 212, we know we've hit on something. And Paul is saying that the way in which the community of faith, the way in which Christians are Christians matters whether I'm with you or not. So I, I, I had a first this week. Uh, just when you think you've run out of first, you get a new one, right? Like uh, the, the, more, the more you live, the less firsts there are. But I went to an FFA uh, like, uh, competition. Yeah, that's what it was. It was an FFA competition. Now, now, who in here has been to an FFA competition before? Okay, so there's 5%. Yeah, so 
to God be the glory, right? I didn't know what the heck was going on. Lauren and I got an invitation from one of our church member students uh, to come to the FFA competition. And I've, I've received basketball invites, football invites, volleyball invites, theater show invites. This was a first for me, an FFA invite. And I thought, I got to do it. I mean, you only live once. So uh, Lauren and I went uh, noon on Thursday, date lunch, right? FFA, nothing better. And we arrive at the Tomball Arena. And it is a competition with Tomball students and Tomball Memorial students all in the FFA Tomball Arena. And, and we were there to watch the goats. And I didn't know what was going on. Did you know that goat competition is broken up into four different weight categories? I mean, you wouldn't want a featherweight and a heavyweight boxing it out. So, uh, so the goats are broken up into four different categories. We watched all four of the goat uh, competitions. Uh, and, and here's how it works. All right. Uh, all, all of the students are lined up with their goats uh, outside of the arena, and then they come in the arena, and they literally walk their goat, like bam, bam, bam. And it reminds me a little bit of a dog show, and by the way, the only reason why I know what a dog show looks like is because of Thanksgiving, right? How, how many of us watch dog shows other than Thanksgiving? Right, that's what I thought. So, uh, oh, we bless you, bless you. So, so they were walking their goats, as it were, as one does, you know, just walking a goat along, you know, and, and, and what does a goat do? I'm not supposed to be on a leash, and they're like getting drugged, and then the teacher comes over and yanks up their tail. It's a whole deal. It's hilarious, but they're walking around the arena, and, and then they, they get to the spot where they're supposed to park their goat, and they bring them around, and then they aim them at the outside of the arena, and then they are uh, taught to stop the goat with their leg to lift the goat up and to lean the goat forward so that you see all of the goat muscularity in its hind parts. And so, I mean, I learned to, to judge goat hind part muscularity uh, over these four <laughs> different sessions. Uh, but but, but here's, here's the deal. Not all goats are happy about showing off their hind parts. Some of them are a little bashful about it. I get it. And so they're a little like, you know, rambunctious. And so the key is for the student to really have control to go bam, bam, and hold them there, right? But the goats are fighting back. So the judge walks around to each of the goats and one at a time, like, pats the goat on the back, pop, pop, pats the hind parts, you know, to feel the muscles, and then goes to the next one. I began to notice something uh, with the contestants, though, and I wanted, I wanted to, to bring this for you. See, some of the contestants had really struggled with this. I mean, the walking the goat around, the dragging them there, the stretching them out, lifting them up, and like the leaning them in, like, like arms were sore and tired. And the judge would come to their goat, and as soon as the judge left and went to the next goat, the student would just be like... And just let go of it. Like leg would move, goat would run around, won't do what a goat does. That's what, what a goat does, by the way. <laughs> no, that's not, dang it, Jason. So, so 
they would just totally relax and be like, all right, when the judge looks again, I'll reset. But in the meantime, I'm not going to be focused on the endeavor. And then there were the other students. Fascinating to watch. Man, the judge would be on the other side of the rink, and that, and that student would just be like, yeah, look at my goat high parts. And just like totally stretched out, intense, like not moving, posed, and present, whether the judge was there or not. Now, I, I, you know, this might seem obvious, but I didn't fully grasp how this worked. The judge then walked them around the arena again, and when they came back, the judge started pointing, and I'm like, oh, man, he's picking winners. And bam, 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 and I'm a little confused because it, it, it was some kids that, were, uh, that, that, that had good-looking goats, but they struggled a little bit, and he was pointing out the people that, that had lost, and they went to the other side of the arena, and then he set them out and felt them again, and you want to guess who won? Was it the... Was it the student who had this relaxed posture and the disengaged manner whenever the judge wasn't looking? Or was it the student who was totally present and engaged whether the judge was there or not? Sure enough, first, second, third, they were all students that were fully present, fully engaged, the entire time. And I wondered, like, did the judge have eyes in the back of his head? No, I don't think so. I think that the way in which that arena uh, was, uh, was showing the discipline and the practice of the students was an exemplification of, of the process of the work that they had put in over the course of the entire year. Those that were consistent in the ring, judge looking or not, were consistent day to day to day. That's what Paul's asking for us. Paul's saying, if I'm with you or not, be consistent. Be fully engaged. Know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, whether I'm with you or not. Know that God has called you and invited you to work on his behalf in the world, whether I'm with you or not. And if you will pursue that, that, that work, if you, will, if you will desire Christ with all of your being each and every day, then God is being glorified in you. Now, I know this is a hard task. It's not a simple task. I don't think Paul names it because it's easy. And, and I think that the same critique that culture has of us today is the same one that Paul was fighting against in, in the first century. You know, the, the, the culture would say, uh, as a critique of the church, uh, that the church is full of hypocrites. And, and I think that there's... Uh, some resonance throughout history with that critique. And we as Christians have two primary ways to combat that critique. The first is this. We need to be clear about who we are as Christians. That, that, that a pompous, uh, prideful piety is not uh, playing well in culture. And rather, we need to come in humility. And Christians in our brokenness are all in need of healing and repair. Amen? 
And each of us as Christians are also sinners in need of a Savior. And by God's grace, we've been introduced to him and thank God for Jesus and the salvation we have in him. Amen? And if we could get clear with the culture on the fact that we are walking this out, that we've received grace and we continue to need grace, then then we will testify to the truth of God's goodness that's available for everyone as well. The second way that we combat this is we try to walk this life of faith intentionally, striving to imitate Christ with our lives. That we set this aim and we focus in on it to be his disciples. And Paul describes it in two ways here. In 127, he says, conduct yourselves as worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that just We know, we know that we're not worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that nothing we've ever done or ever will do will make us worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet we're called to conduct ourselves as though we were worthy. Like, like we, are, we are striving and struggling after Jesus with all of our attention. Uh, whether, whether our friends are watching, our family is watching, whether we're at church on Sunday morning or we're at the barber shop on Tuesday evening, wherever we are, we are conducting ourselves as though we are worthy. And that is our aim. And then we get to 212, where this this, this, this phrase, this, this scripture, both provides us with a practice and a posture to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. First, let's look at the posture. Because I think that whenever we get the posture right, the practice is more, more, more ably, uh, uh, more able to follow. So first, the, the posture. The posture is, is a heart that is filled with fear and trembling. And that, that coupling is not often uh, brought together in Scripture. It's so, so interesting. Over the course of Scripture, there's much talk about fear. And oftentimes that fear is a fear of reverence, uh, a fear of awe, uh, uh, and then other times it's a fear as in uh, fear for one's life or fear of judgment. Uh, and then there's also a number of references to trembling, to, uh, to, to quaking because of an exposure to power or might, but rarely are they coupled together. It's actually only twice in Scripture, in Hebrews and in Acts. And they're both making arguments about who we are and drawing a comparison to one particular relationship in Scripture. Both, both times we, reference, we hear about fear and trembling together, it's referencing one character and his relationship with God, Moses and God. First in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 21, we uh, hear about this 
this scene where Moses is encountering God at Mount Sinai, uh, where, where he is receiving the, the, the law from the Lord, including the Ten Commandments. And as he approaches up the mountain, there is uh, thunder, and there is cloud, and there is trumpet, and there is just holy majesty, like fully weighted on that mountain. And he enters into the cloud, even though, even though as uh, Scripture accounts in verse 21, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Even when he was trembling with fear, he knew God had a work to be done in and through him because of his power for his people. God's presence and God's call led to fear and trembling. Now, I, I do want to, to note what's quite interesting here is when you look at Deuteronomy and, and you see this, the Mount Sinai scene, you actually don't see the coupling of those two words, fear and trembling. So that means that the Jewish tradition orally from generation to generation and in the rabbinic uh, understanding of what Moses' experience was carried forward so that the, the, the fear that Moses had was also articulated as trembling in the early Jewish church. That it was carried forward because of its potency. And I wonder if that's because they understood what we understand. Whenever we are in God's very presence, fully exposed, authentically ourselves, there is such awe that it can lead to trembling. That God's call and invitation can be so powerful. The second reference is in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, verse 32. Now, this is also Moses and God, but it's an earlier scene. It's, it's in Exodus before uh, Moses goes back to Egypt. It's classically known as the burning bush story. And so Moses sees the, the, the bush and it is aflame, but it is not being consumed. And so Moses approaches, and when he approaches, he hears his voice, Moses, Moses, the voice of God for him, calling him by name. And in that moment, Stephen articulates Moses' experience in this way. Chapter 7, verse 32. The Lord said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. In the very presence of God, when God called Moses by name, identified who he is and who Moses was in relationship to him. He trembled with fear. Now, again, in Exodus, it doesn't have that same coupling. This is something that is such a lived experience uh, for us as God's people that, that they have articulated something more happening with Moses. And so whenever we read in Exodus, it says that he hears the voice and it's so awe-inspiring that he hides his face and he cowers in fear. And the people of God know what that feels like when God knows you and calls you into something extraordinary to feel the coupling of fear and trembling. 
And God does call you. God has called each and every one of you into a deep, life-giving relationship with him through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you to, to walk that out, to work it out, and to have a humble posture of the heart that begins with fear and trembling and then leads to a practice. From that posture of the heart, we then have a practice to conduct ourselves in a life and manner worthy of the gospel and, and to work out our salvation. Now, we could get stuck here. Whenever we hear, work out your salvation, we, we could begin to, to get curious. And some of you might say, Pastor Jason, I've heard you preach before that, that I can't actually earn my salvation. That, that I can't work and in so doing become worthy of grace. True. That's not what it's saying here. What, what it's inviting us to is to acknowledge that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. We have that salvation and now, as those who are saved, we are being sanctified. That day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, God's grace is continuing at work in you. We call that sanctification. And as God's grace is at work in you, you are working alongside God to pursue holiness and to be a faithful disciple imitating Jesus in every aspect of your life. This takes some intense focus. This takes some energy and effort. And I think it begins with a desire to hear God calling you and then responding. I grew up in a in a traditional United Methodist uh, church, and some of you are, are wondering, isn't this a traditional United Methodist church? Not, not quite. Uh, we, we had the hymnals and the choir. I had the robe. I was in the youth choir. We sang at the early service. Why did my church torture the youth to sing at the early service? I am certain that I slept through more early services on the chancel, in front, a chancel means a stage, uh, in front of, in front of uh, all, the, all of the congregation. And yet, that's what we did. I was even in the handbell choir. Bing, ding, ding, ding. I had the double handbell. Ba, 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 right? So I was in a, a traditional church, and, and whenever we sang one particular hymn, I was struck to the heart. And it was, it was one of the more contemporary hymns of the church. You, you know, you turn to the part of the hymnal that, um, that, had, that had songs from the 20th century and some from the 21st century. And the song was, Here I Am. Here I Am, Lord. And it's a song that connects me deeply to Moses, the one who fears and trembles before the power of Almighty God, who hears his name being called. Here I am, Lord, is his response. Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I've heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, where you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. If we would hold fast 
to this posture of fear and trembling in the midst of our call and hear God inviting us into his kingdom work. Let us then respond as Moses responded and as we're called to respond. Here I am. Use me. Work in me. Let my life be so reflecting you that the world would know of your grace and your love. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary truth you proclaim to us that, it, that we are about this business of working out our salvation, of conducting our lives in a manner worthy. And so, oh God, we come before you humbly, knowing that this is something we cannot do on our own, but we need your strength and power at work within us. So we ask for your Holy Spirit and we ask for your power. Lord, we trust in you. We, 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 we so desire you that we ask that you would move in us so that our lives would reflect your presence and your power in our lives each and every day. Help us to walk out, work out, move so that our lives would be that grand reflection. And now, Lord, as we enter into this time of offering and worship, Lord, we ask that you would bless these gifts and bless the givers as well, that all that is done in this space and this time would be to your glory and for the furtherment of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name.